seems to fit those raindrops are falling on my head they keep falling so i just did me some talking to the sun Hello again for episode 120 of The Feminine Critique. I say with complete confidence, because I looked it up before I started recording, I'm Emily. With me is the one, the only. Demi Moore. Oh, I then I want a <laughs> refund. I did not sign on to podcast with Demi or Demi Moore. I don't know how you say it. I don't know how to say my own name, no. It's me, Christine. <laughs> Macapache. Um, yeah. It's uh, me, Robert Redford. Um, hey, I'm Woody Harrelson, and I like architecture. Do you like architecture? Would you like me real, to talk about architecture? I have a real passion for architecture. Uh, in case you haven't guessed, the movie we're going to be covering today is none other than really the hallmark movie about architecture of the <laughs> 90s. None other than 1993's Indecent Proposal. Uh, I think you and I both have a lot to say about it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I have, I guess I have a lot to say about it, but in, in the sense that I have nothing to say about it. Mm. Um, <laughs> I, I thought I was, I was going to open the podcast with some kind of like sexy, you know, hey, Christine, I'll, would you uh, let me record with your husband for $1 million? <laughs> but I couldn't think of anything clever, so. I mean, that was pretty good. Oh, thank you. I mean, w- I don't have a million dollars. Would you accept a cat? Yes. Okay, good. But will you hold on to it because I'm allergic? Oh, that kind of defeats the purpose. I'm trying to unload one of them. They keep fighting at night. It's a whole thing. I'll think about it. That's what the remake is going to be, which there is one, like, on... Shut up. There's one listed on IMDb, but with no information. Uh, Apparently, it is another. It's Paramount's going to produce it. And the only information I found was that the woman that wrote the screenplay for The Girl on the Train is in talks to write it. All right. Well, I guess we'll see. Yeah, you have to do a lot of work to remake this. Like it, I will. We will get to why before we dive deep into the oceans of Robert Redford's blue eyes. Uh, what other movies have you been watching? Look, I've been watching a lot of movies. Me too. I'm um, excited to hear your list. I have a bunch of them, like eager to talk to you about. So, yeah, I have some some stuff on here. Um, think this is everything so i think I, I i mean i know i posted about it in the facebook group but i'm i'll say it with words here um we went and saw child's play you did yes now i've gone on record as saying because i am child's play means a lot to me uh and i am a huge huge like unreasonably big fan of don mancini and i don't like the way that stu- the studio handled things so i have said i'm not giving child's play any money or support i will see it eventually when it comes on netflix i'll watch it uh, mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean I, like, wish it ill will. Like, I don't want the movie to have been bad, because I know people that I like that went to see it, and I don't ever wish anybody have a bad experience. Um, but I, I really want to hear all you have to say about the remake. I, or the I reimagining. Really I thought it was great and fun, and, I mean, it was best case scenario for me. Did it, it, it wasn't a per- perfect movie by mm-hmm. any means. I mean, what is, really? Sure. But um, I had a, I thought it was really great. Um, what if you had to pick any of the seven Child's Play movies as far as what it felt closest to? None of them. Interesting. It didn't even... It wasn't even trying. It mm-hmm. wasn't even... It wasn't even in the same 
what what I mean cinematic gro- grocery store let alone the same aisle of the grocery okay. store okay so it's it not even like, the same shopping mall it's more like the outlet down the block type thing it's it was very different okay. it was very different what did liked, you really like about it was it scary was it funny it was absurd and it embraced a level of absurdity okay it I feel like I, I I think I've said this before and I hate when people say it um it knew what it was the whole time mm-hmm. like it, there was no mistaking that this was about an an AI crazy doll that okay like like you knew that that's what it was always about um it wasn't over, it wasn't mean in the okay. way that bothers me okay there was a, there's one choice in it, and if we ever talk about it, I think it, that's it's pretty clear. But there's one choice in it that I didn't love. But I mean, overall, it was the kid was likable, and I understood everybody's motives. It was that nice mix of like everybody's making choices that make sense, but also this is absurd, and none of this would ever actually happen. Okay, like, what? It, how did you like the design of the doll? I mean, I've only seen it, stills, and I thought it looked kind of awful. But again, I had I, didn't I think see it's, motion. it's supposed to. Got it. It looks like a stupid, ugly toy. Like yeah, it looks like a Bratz doll, like, mashed in, like, but fattened up. But, like, it's what you would, ex- I don't know, I feel like that's what I expect somebody to try to sell me. Okay. And be Makes like, sense. put this in your house right. and be okay with Uncanny it. Uncanny Valley, don't you love it? I, I don't know, I, I, I'm sure other people didn't like it, but I'm sure people did like, I don't mm-hmm. know, it wasn't, it wasn't a mess, though, it was... It was fine. It was good. Huh. Interesting. No, yeah. I'm I I'm intrigued to hear that, and I will eventually watch it. So, well, good. I'm glad you had a good time at a movie theater. Thank you. I, I think that's one of the only ones on this list that I had a good time with. Oh boy, um, I think there's one that you and I both saw that we're gonna have to save till till the end to talk about. Oh, okay. Mm. Um, I had meant to see the Spy Who Dumped Me in the theater, but I don't know. I just missed it. So I finally watched it, and that is. Kate McKinnon and, and Mila Kunis. Mila Kunis, thank you. I couldn't think of her name. Um, it was really bad, which Aww. is disappointing. Yeah, I can't win them all, right? No, I guess um, not. I blame you for this, but we watched Poseidon. <gasps> yeah, boy, that's bad. Isn't it crazy? It's really is glaringly, gleamingly terrible. It it. Is only the. I mean, what killed me was the whiteness of it. <laughs> like, so how crazy that, was it when you realized how you're like we're 30 minutes in and all of the people of color are dead. But like that that thing that you had talked about about like about Richard Dreyfuss yeah. like shaking him him off. Kick him I, off! I, kick him off! It Christine. was still. It was shocking to see, right? even though I knew it was going to happen. Yeah, no sympathetic character survives. Like, I guess. Jacinda Barrett's okay. I, I think we're supposed to be. Because she's a mother. I really yeah, yeah, thought yeah. at one point that her son was going to die. I'm like, oh shit, this is awesome. But he doesn't. No. Spoiler alert. But, um, I mean, I thought, did you think the boat stuff looked good? I, I thought the effects looked decent. Yeah, I was fine with that. Oh, and um, I was like, is there any chance that... um? I remembered what you said, and then I was like, is there any chance Andre Brower's not going to die? <laughs> Oh, you sweet summer child. Spoiler alert, everyone, for this movie that's how old. Um, uh, 13 years. 
I just tried to get to IMDb and ended up at the in- Indiana Meteorological Department. Oh, what's happening there today? It's a really bad. Are there any Andre Brower sightings? Not yet. I want. I watched another movie and I wanted to give a little bit of detail, so I was looking for it on here, but it's got, taking too long, so I'm going to skip it. Um, I we saw the American version of Ms. Bala. I don't know what you're talking about. Do you know the non-American version of Ms. Bala? Is it called Ms. Bala or is it? Yeah. No, I don't know what this is. All right. Well, it's a movie. In the American version, I saw the the Mexican version. I don't know. I'm sorry, everyone, if I'm wrong. <laughs> um, can't get IMDb to work. I saw the original one kind of back when it came out, maybe like 2011, 2010. Who can say? Um, and I liked it. I remember liking it, but I don't remember anything about it because that was during a period where I was just like aggressively watching movies. Mm, and like yeah. sometimes I forget what movies were like. But um, I when I saw that they were doing it again, I was like, okay, I think a, I think a woman directed it again. Hi, I am Dabina. Mm-hmm. Thanks for not working. But um, Gina Bala, Rod- how do you spell this? M I S S Miss, and then the word Bala B A L A. Okay. So I was excited because I like Gina Rodriguez. Mm, yeah. So I I wanted to see it in a the theater, but it was another one. I think it came and went a little fast. And oh, okay. we missed it. This is directed by Catherine Hardwick, who did um, Catherine Hardwick, yeah, Twilight and yeah. uh, Thirteen yeah, yeah. and so on. So I, I have, look, it's not her fault. Twilight's bad. No, it is not. I mean, um, I don't know, it, she's not fully unresponsible for some of the for decisions, sure. but the material but is the starting issue with Twilight. Yes, yeah. somebody was going to have to direct vampires playing baseball. Yes. Not it, like she didn't decide that that was going to be what happened, but um, I had no problem. I have no problem with her, mm-hmm, me too. I, and, yeah. and and was like I'm surprised I couldn't remember who that was because I was excited. I found out, but um, I was jazzed to watch this. Zach really didn't like it. We don't disagree that often. I thought there was some redeeming stuff in it. It's a bit stock, and some of the decisions are weird, but it's basically like lady empowerment movie. Okay. okay. Where- she, she turns the tables and she's, you know, going to show him who's boss. So, like, I'm fine with that. I'd rather watch that than another, like, old guy has to get his daughter back moving. <laughs> Reasonable. Um, I, I think I would recommend the original, but I don't remember. Um, we watched April Fool's Day. The original? Yes. I don't think I've ever watched that beginning to end. It's, it's a wild ride. Yeah wild ride yeah i mean i know some things that happen and i've seen i think the ending which is one of those movies that's kind of a shame if you see the ending because it, it's a bit of a twist uh but i have never sat down and watched it certainly not as a grown-up um i yes similar but i definitely i forgot how it ended. well i i mean it's all right there but like i forgot how it ended exactly mm. so i was just, i was a bit surprised it taken aback ah did you so enjoy it, was, it? extremely dangerous um (laughs) it's a real oddity Mm. (laughs) it's a real relic um i guess i enjoyed it but only because it's so strange okay and ends up ends up being so wholesome right 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 (laughs) like all right 
I show that to a kid and be like, and none of that actually happens, spoiler <laughs> But alert. don't try this at home, kiddo. <clears throat> oh, well, actually, I liked this movie, too. Kind of. We saw the new Annabelle. Um, ah, which I have not seen yet. I liked it, slash found it mildly unremarkable. Where do you rank it in the three Annabelles? I really liked the first one. Me too. I, I, I feel like, you know, when... It, okay, so when Annabelle 2 came out, everybody jumped on it like, oh, it's so much better than Annabelle. And I liked Annabelle creation, but the more I think about the first Annabelle, and I think there is a glaring issue in it kind of doing the, with the Alfre Woodard character, if you will. Yes, for sure, um, for sure, for sure. But that aside, I think tonally there's some really cool things going on in that movie, and mm-hmm. I think it gets a really unfair rap. I agree. And so I would say that that would be my favorite of the three, but like we didn't re we didn't rewatch them. Okay. All like to in in preparation if you will. <laughs> I remember being like underwhelmed by creation, but that's just I think I don't know, I'm not like a super fan of of the like Annabelle old, movies yeah. other than the first one because I thought <laughs> it did some really cool stuff. I don't know. This one was fine. It was good. The end credit sequence is really good. Mm. Um, it's a weird thing to say, but it is. No, it's, uh, that's reasonable in a movie like this where you are supposed to be waiting for something. There was some cool stuff. There was some genuinely creepy stuff. I don't like jump scare movies because they, they scare me. They make me too tense. Aww. I'm too high strung for that. Aww. But um, yeah, I, I, I was not bad at all. Okay. But... I don't know if these. The, the, I'm passionate enough about these movies to give a real. Got it. Gleeful review. <laughs> um, so the movie that the other movie that I want to talk about is a movie called Polaroid, and it is directed by the dude who directed the new Child's Play. Interesting. Tell me more. Uh, it is about a Polaroid camera. What? Like, like, is it like an antique one or is it a new one that they've made? It. It's an antique-ish. It's like an older one. Okay. Um, this is a weird movie. There are some things in it that are really cool. I found this in a way that is not above board. Mm-hmm. Um, if it shows up places, I will make this my recommend because it was weird <laughs> and cool. I'm trying to see so if it's th- on just stream it or just watch it or whatever that site <laughs> is called. Because I'm, like, reading, like, there's very little in the synopsis. It just kind of sounds like haunted camera. But the way you're describing it, you make it, you, it sounds like there's more going on. For sure. It's 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 de- definitely not what I expected. Okay. Well, I'm intrigued. Yeah. Uh, it does not show up on Just Watch, so. Mm-hmm. 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 Um, I have, like, two more. We rewatched your next because it's a great movie and it's still a great movie. I've only seen it once and I enjoyed it quite a bit and it holds up. I imagine it holds up perhaps even better. It's just so good. Yeah. This is probably the fourth time I've seen it. I, I really like it. It's very rewatchable because you get so roped in to everything. Like you stop thinking about how you know what's going to happen next. Yeah. Like it doesn't matter because it's so fun and like fast paced and stuff. And it, I feel like that's a good rewatch, like rewatchable movie because it's very, and this doesn't really give anything away, but there's something very positive about it that it's fun, yeah, yeah, yeah. and you're the character that you end up staying with is such a great character that it kind of 
probably makes it really compelling to revisit. For sure, it's not a major bummer, mm. which can be can be taxing. Yes, to, yes. to rewatch that. Um, I lied. We watched Man on Fire. You know, Denzel, <laughs> your um, your boy, my boy. I I saw this movie before, but I I forgot a lot of it. This I've movie's never seen am- it. It's amazing. Especially Is this the one with little one of the Fannings? Yeah, if okay. you love Denzel Washington and you love Little Dakota Fanning, <laughs> two things that I unabashedly love. It is the most charming, upsetting movie. Ugh. Ugh. I think Alamo is doing is showing it I forget what the theme is, but I think like they're they're doing it as one of their summer series. You can see it on the big screen. Do you have an Alamo near you? I I wish I could do that. I want to see that. Um I don't it was somewhere, I don't remember where. But yes, it's great. Um so is the movie that you saw that I saw Midsummer? Yes, it is. Okay. So I saw the new Spider-Man and I was very upset because I liked the the, the not new Spider-Man, the the last one. You liked Home Homecoming. 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 Okay. Yeah, Brandon saw it when so we did the um like the old fashioned couples thing where we went to the same. We went and saw something different. We totally we went to the movie theater and then he saw <laughs> Spider Man and I went to see Midsummer. Um, that that's how we roll here at the Intravia Whitehead that's headquarters. Perfect. And we, you know, we were uh, my movie ended first, so I'm I'm sitting there waiting, and his movie ends, and he comes strolling out, and I'm like, oh, so I'm like, how, how what do you think? Thinking like I'd heard such good things about it, and he just kind of looked at me, shook his head, he's like, I didn't like it, and I felt so bad for him because I really wanted it him to enjoy it. So you also not a fan? I mean, it was fine while it was happening to me. Mm. Um, a little long. Well, a lot I mean, long. All of those movies are so long. That's why I'm not seeing them anymore. <laughs> decided. But that 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 homecoming. I mean, we we rewatched it. I think I mentioned that we yeah, rewatched yeah. it, and I I still liked it. It's it was good. fun. And yeah, homecoming's very good. This felt a lot of things in it didn't make sense. It felt very labored and like not easy or fun. Like mm. it felt like a chore to get through. And, of course, Tom Holland is great, and yep. Jake Gyllenhaal is amazing, and people have said that his Mysterio is not good, but I don't agree with that. I just think that the movie overall was a little... I'd have to watch it again to really give you a critical mm-hmm. reason, but it just was like, eh. yeah, definitely it, not one I'm going to be uh, itching to revisit. Revisiting anytime soon. I get it. Okay. Do you have any more? Just midsummer. Okay, so we're gonna we'll we'll move midsummer to the end. This way, we can talk about it in a way that's easy for people to know when we spoil things. Yeah. Um. All right. So I have my list is strange. Um, it always is strange. I know, but this I feel like this this batch is my, might I'm gonna go out and say this might be my most diverse list I think I've ever <laughs> compiled, and I don't know why. I guess I was just in a lot of different moods these past two weeks. Mm-hmm. And because we also had a nice four-day weekend, so I had a little more time, so I was able to watch a few more things than I normally would. But this, it goes places. We're going to start um, with my Netflix disc that I got. And again, yes, I still get Netflix discs because I'm 97 years old, but also because it's the, sometimes the only way I can get certain movies that aren't streaming anywhere. Mm-hmm. And in this case, it was Working Girls. Now, this... Have you heard of it? And if not, you definitely need to see it. 
Um, directed by Lizzie Borden, who did Born in Flames, a kind of very like punk feminist director of the 80s and early 90s. No, I don't think I know what this is. studio screwed her, so she kind of was like, fuck movies, I'm just going to do my own thing. Um, this is a... It's a, it's, it's not, I thought it was a documentary at first, but it's not. It is a film, it is a kind of a day in a life of a female sex worker in 1988 or so, I guess, I think is when the movie mm-hmm. is. Uh, and it's, so it's centers on this woman who is so good. Um, Louise Smith, I think is the actress. And like, she, she's a real, I, I, at first, like when I went into it, I thought it was all, cause her movie before that Born in Flames was a lot of. Um, like non-actors and I thought that was this too but no they're real actors in it this woman is so good and I have not seen her in anything else which is a shame Um, but it's basically she's kind of a uh, educated college graduate and she's uh, making her living working at a kind of high-end I I guess it's an escort service although it's like in a place they don't go out they stay there Mm-hmm. So I don't know if there's a different term for that. If, brothel. I mean, brothel, but I feel like you, you don't use the term brothel for a New York City place in 1985, but I don't know. Yeah, you could. Yes, you could. Um, so, and she's she's also a lesbian, uh, but she she works as a, uh, you know, heterosexual sex worker, sex worker. And it's just a day in the life. So she's there with a couple of the other women. You know, they're answering the phones. They're seeing clients. They're kind of joking about clients. And that's really it. Like, nothing huge happens. Um, You know, there's... Some guys are creepy. Some guys are really needy and sweet. And it's just sort of this very interesting look at sex work. And I'm sure Lizzie Borden probably met with a lot of sex workers because this was the kind of director she was. Um, And it feels very authentic. It feels... It's not mean. It's um, there's a great conversation she has with one of the other women where she talks about how like she's like you know now she's like I used to be really afraid of men and now in this job I'm not because I see them at their most vulnerable and I see them this way and I realize they're kind of silly in some ways. So it's it's really interesting. You would get I, I don't know how I'm so curious for you to see it because there's mm-hmm. a lot that I don't know how 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 it ages in a way because it's obviously very much a time capsule this is now 30 years ago that this movie was made mm-hmm. but it's you know it, it's primary it's i mean it's really all about the women there's a few male characters but it's really about them uh it's funny it's very funny uh i i would like to know what you think of it if you can find it your library might have it yeah because um, you got that you said you got the disc from netflix right i got the disc from netflix i think it might have been a long wait um, it's probably out there on library DVD. It could also be like you had a video store. It might be there. I don't know. I don't mm-hmm. remember who put out the video. There were there was it, a commentary, but that was it. It might be at the at the at the video store. You're right. Okay. I completely forgot that. I would be really curious to hear what you have to think of it. So put that on your list. Write it down. I'm going to working write, I'm, girls plural. I am right okay. right now plural. It's probably a lot more <laughs> feminist than working girl, but I'm just guessing. Uh, okay, a movie I watched on Amazon Prime. Uh, I was okay. in a mood for some kind of stupid horror movie, and I'm flipping around. I'm like, what's on there? What's on there? Oh, here's here's something that has a the cover art's just a giant spider, and it's called Arachnia. This sounds fun. <laughs> oh, this was glorious. Oh, it was basically my. like a made-for-sci-fi film before they were making for sci-fi films. So I think it was 2003 or so. Uh, there, this is not CGI. There is no CGI 
when you see the spiders or the or the bugs. Now, the main character is a like uh, you know, expert entomologist and he keeps referring to spiders as insects and bugs and I'm pretty sure they are oh. neither of those things. No, but that's good. At least he's, you know, you he know, knows. He's keeping it real, you know, ma- making me not feel uncomfortable for, for, you know, as if somebody's too smart for me. Um, so you <laughs> see, so there are giant spiders that are attacking and the spiders are made of clearly like paper mache and so it's stop motion. Uh, and it, it's one of those movies that just has the kind of dialogue that it's so adorable to watch because you know they tried, mm-hmm. which makes it even more like you don't get these movies as much anymore because now that you have, like, in a post Sharknado world, the authenticity of bad movies is sometimes very hard to find. Uh, and this one is real. So if you were looking for that itch, uh, this is a way to scratch it. On Amazon, Amazon Prime. Prime. Yes. Oh boy, they have some gems they do. on Amazon Prime. No, that's that's where you really, if you want to like dig into trenches now, which a lot of times I do. Um, that's when I go to Prime. To, I'm like, what's in, what's in the horror section on Prime? I've never <laughs> heard of this movie. Nobody here has an IMDb picture. That's the one I'm going to watch. Oh boy. Uh, all right, here's one that I'm. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. I I do. Um, so I have cable. I don't watch much of it. I, I watch baseball. Mm-hmm. I watch some things. But every now and then I go to TCM and I will look, especially on Friday and Saturday nights, and I'll look to see what's airing at TCM Underground because a lot of times they'll show like cult movies and, you know, a different stuff that you it's very hard to find. And I'm running through the list one night and I see whoever Sluante Rue is on there, which I've seen and I love. And then right after that, I see a title I'd never heard, but I just recorded it based on the title alone, because I'm like, oh, well, this is obviously in the same kind of, you know, grand dame Gugnol uh, genre. And the title is, Sometimes Aunt Martha Does Dreadful Things. What? You've never heard of it? No. Okay, so I assumed it was going to be another, like... sentence. Exactly. I I (laughs) thought we were getting another kind of whoever slew Annie Rue and... um, like one of those and no so um it is about these two men who are on the run from the law because they have one of the, they were in a robbery and one of them killed somebody and so they are hiding out in i think like miami and one of them so and one guy is kind of young and he's like really kind of he's like good looking but really doofy and he's always on drugs and his partner is older uh, and dresses like a woman in order for them to kind of be able to hide out, right? Because they're looking for two mm-hmm. dudes, not a middle-aged woman and, a, and her nephew. So the uh, – it, it's movie is bizarre because what happens – like the whole time you're like, well, they're obviously a couple – but the movie doesn't come out and say it, but it also has a scene where they go to bed together. But then whenever anything comes up where they – like it's also very not like it's not acknowledging it but it totally obviously is about this couple mm-hmm. um and this toxic toxic relationship um the younger guy keeps ending up in like going out with girls and anytime they start making the moves on him he flips out and then aunt martha has to come in and kill the women so there's so much Whoa. going on in this movie it's very cheaply made it feels almost john waters-esque um just in terms of kind of the camp aspect but it's not it's not all out goofy like there is a serious thread to it i can't believe i'd never heard of it and i and like but i feel like nobody's ever heard of it mm-hmm. uh it is something it's really something 
Did you look around the internet and see if, if anybody was a talking about bit. it? And I see, like, there are a lot, of, like, it comes up a lot in, you know, LGBT films that nobody talks about type mm-hmm. threads. Um, but not, like, you know, it's not on, like, 100 cult movies to see before you die, that kind of thing. But it, it comes up here and there, like, there are essays about it that are all kind of exploring the same thing, which is, this is a really fascinating look at... Um, a you know a gay relationship in a in a way that's not being acknowledged. So, uh, yeah, it's weird. Uh, worth <laughs> worth tracking down if you can. Um, all right, now I've got to my the portion of my list that is all Shutter based. Um, so I went through Shutter a few things. Um, finally, a movie I'd always wanted to see but could never find anywhere, and now it's on Shutter. Society. Oh yeah. I saw that it was on Shutter. Have you seen it? No, I've always meant to. Oh, it's a joy. Um, Is it? It's it's really fun. Like it's, I wish I'd seen it, or I would imagine if you'd seen it without knowing anything about it, it would have been pretty cool because a it goes crazy at the end, but it's also a very, you know, it is a horror comedy esque gory gory thing that has mm-hmm. such a clear social commentary running throughout it and it's good like it really like it's sim- the the really what it's the satire is very simple but it's effective and it goes for it and the um the big set piece at the end is really something so if you watch it it's there it's on okay show. it's fun. okay uh, I took, maybe I'll act. I'll take the leap at some point. Do it. Uh, I took your advice and I Ooh. watched The Haunted because I think it was going off of Shutter. Uh, oh, this, cool! This was the TV movie from 1991, and the weirdest thing about it was watching it and remembering watching it, like things that I'd only seen one time. You know, some what now 28 years ago, uh, but I remembered like beats of it, and it was strange. Um, and I think I agree with you completely. This is not great, um, it, but it is such a fascinating timestamp of mm-hmm. how this story would have been told in 1991. Like, there's things about it that are um, uh, here and there. There's some effective scares. Uh, it's frustrating because it just the ending is just stupid. It's oh, and by the way, eventually they they got rid of the ghosts like but wait no what but i just watched this 45 hour 45 minute about it um but the like the the catholic aspect of it was really interesting mm-hmm. uh yep. so much of it like looking at that house and realizing like oh yeah that looks like the house i grew up in before we moved in 1989 kind of thing of just that that nostalgia factor was really interesting it's interesting that you hadn't seen it for so long, but yet you remembered yeah. pieces of it because it's a it is it's got some really bizarre, impactful visuals for yep. like something that could otherwise be a kind of throwaway trite TV movie. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <clears throat> uh, also on Netflix, I watched something that had a good, uh, good, good kind of plot, but just didn't really do much with it. Don't grow up. This is a, a sort of, if you think of who can kill a child, it's like that, but flip the part. Mm-hmm. So it's adults killing children. Uh, so it's kind of like mom and dad, except I think tonally it's closer to who can kill a child, but not as good. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a British film from a couple of years ago. A bunch of kind of British foster kids live on an island and something's happening where all the, the adults are trying to kill anybody young. And so it focuses on like this small group of kids who are, by kids, they're teenagers who are trying to survive 
it's a strange movie because it clearly like has ideas and the director you know has a potential but it's very short which normally is fine except you realize like this this didn't have to be so short you could have explained something or given me a little more character or a little Mm -hmm. more anything and so it just felt for me really mediocre and I wasn't happy with it um another one on Shudder that I also didn't really like but as you said about Shudder there's something um you watch a movie and it's it's rare that you're like oh this was a complete waste of time yeah but it can be like because I think you're like this didn't work for me but it totally will work for somebody out there Mm -hmm. uh this was the noonday witch have you seen it or seen it go by i haven't even seen it go by it is a czechoslovakian movie Mm -hmm. um and the synopsis they give and this might have been the problem for me watching it the synopsis is basically if you like the babadook you might like the noonday witch because it's also about a young mother um who goes to a remote village in um czechoslovakia with her daughter and her husband has just died uh and things start happening and is the house haunted is there a witch in the town who comes to take children or is the mother going crazy okay that's a great setup and it has a great landscape it's um they don't say when it's set so i don't know if it was just that it's set in like the 60s or it's just this remote village where nobody has a cell phone kind of thing Mm -hmm. so you have everybody's really sweaty um there's something very like dirty about it it's really sunny it's a very daytime horror movie all these things are great except the movie's not (laughs) um yeah they just don't they have the character make a really inexcusable decision and they don't let her do anything with it so then you're just watching the whole time trying to understand why this character has chosen a certain path and it doesn't give you any anything to go by with that and then it ends and it's very for me it was just nothing when it ended um so my advice is instead just watch either the babadook or under the shadow which are i think similar tellings of this story in a much more interesting way well you just saved me some time i did uh, one that I would kind of recommend, but I think it was also on the leaving Shutter soon list, so I don't know where it ended up. Uh, Hell Baby. This is a horror comedy. Oh, uh, I have seen it, and I enjoyed it. Yeah, it's fun, right? Yeah. It reminded me a lot of Little Evil, that Netflix movie with Adam Scott. Yep. yep. Like, I mean, similar setup. It's, you know, only in this case, it's Leslie Bibb is pregnant and probably with a demon. But cast is really good. Everybody's really funny. Um, some of the jokes really hit, some don't, but the ones that hit really hit. So I like this. It was it was a good time. Yeah, I remember enjoying it. It's been a while since I saw it, though. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm sure it's like what happens with a lot of these streaming mo- movies that like seem to only stream. They leave one service and then they end up in another. It's mm-hmm. just you know, so it'll probably end up on Amazon or something. Uh, although it's probably too good for Amazon. <laughs> Um, All right, a few more. Um, On HBO, I had recorded, you know, so obviously, because we're watching Indecent Proposal today, you know how I love a good 90s sexy thriller. Of course. Uh, So I saw a title, and I was like, I don't know what that is. I look at the synopsis, I'm like, oh, it's a 90s sexy erotic thriller. Whispers in the Dark. Ooh. The title just... It tells you everything you need to know. Although, it doesn't. Because it doesn't tell you that Alan Alda is going to have a very key role in this movie. Uh, Annabelle Sciorra is a psychiatrist. And 
she is falls in love with um, Jamie Sheridan, uh, who it turns out is actually the like violent sexual partner of one of her patients, Deborah Kara Unger. And then Deborah Kara Unger ends up dead. And did Jamie Sheridan kill her? Did Anna Shkiora do it? Did Alan Alda do it? Um, did John Leguizamo wearing one of those like uh, what would you call it? The button-up silk puffy shirts that were really big in the nineties. <sighs> yeah. Did he do it? Maybe. Um, this is not as good as I'm making it sound. <laughs> it sounds great. Why are you hyping it up? I'm so sorry much? because there's a lot in it that got me really excited. Um, but and it's very early nineties. Like it is just aside from the fashion, the plotting of it, the fact that. You know, you have, like, six people in the cast, and even... Oh, Anthony LaPaglia is a detective, and he's the world's worst, most disrespectful detective you've ever seen in a movie. <laughs> uh, he calls Annabelle Skewer down to a bar for him to drunkenly berate her, and so she throws, like, an ashtray at his head, and it's totally justified. Uh, I can't remember if he dies or not. Uh, a lot of people die in it. Um, and it ends... I don't want to spoil it, but let's just say it ends with... To, uh, with Annabelle Sciorra and a character that should not be fighting her physically on a beach, fighting her physically on a beach. Um, so again, it's not good, but I'm kind of making it sound like you should watch it. You kind of sold it hard. I know. Live your life. Do it. Okay. You know, All right. 100 minutes of your life, you, you've, you've earned it. Okay. Now, but you know what? And it's fair, because I took your advice to watch a movie that you sort of recommended but sort of didn't recommend to me. You gave me the same review of this movie that I gave you of Whispers in the Dark, which is, it's not really good, you shouldn't really watch it, but maybe you should, because maybe you'll get something out of it. (laughs) And this was Mercy Black on Netflix. Oh, yeah, right? Yeah! Do you know what I mean, though? Yes, another, it's like, it's really frustrating, because it has these great elements. It has... A good cast and you're right that lead actress is like just has it right yeah. like some some actors and I, and I think it's especially true of women when they are comfortable on screen when they have like something unique in their face or in their voice where you just like oh it's not a good movie I don't even know if you're a good actor but I really want to watch you do stuff yeah and I loved that her sister like they cast a sister that looked like her and they had this this nice relationship that didn't go where it could have gone. And you're like, okay. Oh, and you have these random supporting characters here who are all, like, interesting and, you know, not quite what you think. And then it ends and you're like, but wait a minute. What did I, what, what was what? this? Why did, yeah. why? And it's Blumhouse and it was a straight to Netflix Blumhouse. And it makes perfect, and you could just see them, like, because I think the way they do it, like, I don't think they always know ahead of time if something is if they're going to put it in the theater or on uh on streaming and i feel like this is one that they watch they're like yeah this goes in the streaming pile Mm -hmm. because it just yeah it has a weird pacing at the end it climaxes at a point where you're like wait but that that's how we're we're doing this now it has a a really poor casting choice regarding the yep. age of a character that makes mm-hmm. no sense for this character to be that age. Uh, and also makes no sense for you to have been given so much of this story, but not given this very key part of the story. Because mm-hmm. I, I watch this movie and I'm like writing a review of it as I watch it. 
and I had to put like question marks because I'm like, oh, so this is what they this crime happened when they were young, and. I think this is what happened, but I'm sure the movie's going to explain it at some point. And then it kind of does, but it 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 asks too much and not enough of its, of its audience, if if you will. Yeah, it, it it's just it's it's really frustrating because for like everything that's good about it, there's something that you're like, but yeah, and it it stays so it never. Uh, I never felt like I could fully enjoy it. Yep, yep. And that was frustrating because the things that it did, like, I still, like, something will pop into my head and I'll be like, oh, that was really neat. Or, <laughs> oh, that was cool. Yeah. But, like, ah, I don't yeah. know. Weird choices. Very, very weird choices. Yeah. Um, a movie that did not make weird choices, that was a perfect movie, that knew exactly what it wanted to do and did it, could not have done it better. Cellular. Which, there's a look, there's a lot of movies about cell phones. There is none quite like cellular. Um, is this the Chris Evans one? Yes. Yes, it is. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so there is, I say that, and then I'm like, except for that other one with Kim Bassinger that I keep getting confused with this one. Um, yeah, like, there's a lot. Ugh, look. No, no. Cellular, which just went off Netflix, I think. That's why I had to, like, rush to watch it. It is, so Chris Evans' cell phone rings, and it's Kim Basinger, who's been kidnapped by Jason Statham. And Chris Evans then has to save the day um, with the help of detect- grizzled detective William H. Macy, who just wants to open up a spa with his wife and retire. Oh, boy. This movie is just wonderful. It is, stu- it is so stupid in the perfect way that you want an action movie to be stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, characters are so well-versed in combat, despite being biology teachers. Um a young Jessica Biel shows up like everybody everybody somebody in this movie Jason Statham doing an American accent or trying to uh yeah no this 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 movie is something it is something Mm -hmm. and the best thing about this movie is the end credits I don't know if you recall the end credits they do him as if like it's a cell they read them out as if it's like texting on a cell phone. <sighs> yeah. And I think... What, what a strange movie. What a wonderful... This, this is how all movies should be made. They should all be made like cellular. Uh, instead of... Now, trust me on this, because if you have to live in a world where you could only watch one movie and you had a choice of two, and one was cellular, and the other was The Curse of La Llorona, you're going to pick cellular if you have any taste whatsoever. I still have not seen this one. It's Which not, is weird because yeah. I usually should have by now. So it's not terrible. It is exceedingly mediocre. It like the more watching it was fine. Um, it you know like it it doesn't really like there were no I don't know there's jump scares none of them got me. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the the design isn't really great like. Towards the end, there's a, like a last act character who shows up, who's who has great energy and who's really funny, and who it's like, okay, good, good, good. This person, yeah, help me get through the rest of this now. But it, like, it's funny because we watched it after, like, my husband and I had like taught. We're talking a lot about modern horror movies and kind of like the different trends and sort of where we are now and all that. And I was talking about like, oh yeah, now the thing to do is you set your movie um, before cell phones. 
right? Because if you make your movie today, if you're making any horror movie, you have to explain away cell phones. You have to have a scene where a character loses their phone or has no service or whatever it's going to yep. be. Because any, no matter what, there's no justification for you not being able to get online and call for help if you need to. So as we start this movie, we realize very quickly, oh, I didn't know this was set in the 70s. I guess it's because of cell phones. Yep. Now, truthfully, I don't, I, now, I think, I guess it's set in the 70s for maybe one of several reasons. Because the technology aspect on, like, wouldn't have made any difference if they could have accessed anything. But there is an Annabelle connection I think there's a priest character who I guess was in the first Annabelle, but I don't remember yeah. him in it. So there's that. Is that why it was set in the 70s? I don't know. Maybe it was set in the 70s so Linda Colonel Edie could type on a typewriter. We could say, remember typewriters. I don't know. So it didn't really serve the plot is what you're saying. No. And then you just get, like, I'm watching this movie and I'm, I'm immediately really distracted by something The Conjuring does brilliantly is lays out the geography of its house. Right, yes. The Conjuring is yes. set all in this one house, and it is Oscar-worthy how James Wan and his cinematographer show you their setting. They walk you through it, so by the time you hear a noise, you know exactly whose room that noise is coming from. Because they have guided you through this house, it's a cool house, they've, worked, they've made it feel really constrictive, but also kind of, you know, large. And the opening shot of... La, La Llorona is this kind of pan through the house of, oh, she's running from one room to the other, and here are the kids coming down the stairs, and blah, and you're like, oh, okay, they're walking me through it. My God, this is a giant house. What do these people do for a living? Oh, her husband's a dead cop, and she's a social worker. How do they afford to have such a big house with a built-in pool? So I was very taken out by that. Um, hmm. And there's just like little, the more I think about it, the more I'm annoyed by little decisions because it's like the kid like there's two kids in the movie and it feels like they should be younger because otherwise they're just not smart enough for their age yeah um there it's yeah i don't know i the opening like the first maybe like 20 minutes i'm into it i like where it's going but then it never gets back to that it ends up you know it, it kind of has that it, it tries to address it by having you know, this is a Spanish legend or a Mexican folktale, and your main character is a white woman. But okay, her husband was Hispanic, and so their kids are, you know, of of um, Latino heritage. But that has nothing to do with anything. And so it feels a little bit like you're telling a story that belongs to a different culture, but you've you had to use a white person to do it, and I don't really understand mm-hmm. why. Um, yeah, I just it just did nothing in the end. Like it feels very much like oh, this is I guess like a good PG thirteen movie for sleepovers i guess i don't know i don't know who it was made for yeah that's it's interesting it doesn't really fill me with joy no, at no. the prospect of i mean of maybe i've it. undersold it low enough to where when you watch it you might um have low expectations and be like that wasn't as bad as emily said um, my mom didn't seem that wild about it either yeah. and she's she's a real sucker for these yeah it seems like it would be it, like it more catered to her but it, i don't know, like while i was watching it it was fine it's one of those movies that the more I think about it, the more I'm like, and another thing. So it's, it's yeah. Um, all right. I just have two more and then midsummer. So on Netflix, I watched the Amy Poehler directed comedy wine country. 
surely you've seen this go by your Netflix. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I couldn't. I couldn't summon what it was. It's her. It's Maya Rudolph, Rachel Dratch, uh, Tina Fey, um, other people whose names I can't remember at the moment. Um, I really enjoyed this. It. I was really excited when I saw it was coming out, and like I got to like reading interviews with her. I was like, oh, oh, yay! I want to see Amy Poehler directing a movie starring her best friends. And then it. I like. I didn't see like all reviews were really middling to negative on it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I was like, oh, I'll get to it eventually. And then finally, it was one of those nights of like, let's watch something like light and fun. And is this perfect? No. Um, could it be tighter? Could it have been, I don't know, maybe developed differently? Sure. Did I laugh a lot watching it? Yes. Did you really? I did. Yeah. It's Anna Gasteyer and, and Rachel Dratch, and they're all yeah. really funny women. I've heard nothing but terrible things about it, though. Uh, yeah. And. I don't, I mean, I guess if you go in expecting, like, Wet Hot American Summer, you're not going to get that. If you're expecting, um, like, really what it is, is, um, and, and they're all playing very familiar, like, it, Amy Poehler is essentially playing a tired Leslie Nope, in a way. Mm-hmm. Like, she is that character of this really intense, I have an itinerary, here's what we're doing, except she's also in her late 40s, early 50s, and uses a CPAP machine and is like, they're constantly joking about, you know, things we say now that we're, we're old. And I mean, I am a good like 15 years younger than the characters are supposed to be in this movie. And I related a lot to them. What does that say about me? I don't know. Uh, so yeah, it's not great. Um, but it's a really, but I had a great time watching it. I can recognize that this was not a perfect, uh, perfectly put together movie. But it did exactly what it was supposed to do, which would make was make me laugh and maybe cry. Huh. Well, now I maybe have to rethink my stance on it because yeah. it had been so maligned, and I was like, "Oh, I get it. Yeah, this is probably real bad." So I didn't even want to bother. I mean, yeah. It it it. Some of it is low hanging fruit, but it's also I don't know if you. I I have a lot of female friends and we get together and a lot of the th- the kind of um <laughs> some of the habits that happen where as soon as you sort of break off into pairs and immediately the first thing you say is okay I don't want to say this but or can I say something like all those things that I found like oh yeah that is totally what some of us do and it's not the like oh we just go and drink wine and and joke about men like it's really not that like it's more um it is more about their relationships with each other and their own relationships with whatever they're at in life and how those insecurities feed other things. So there is a lot of depth to it. And then after that, they're really funny women getting to be funny. So mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. I think you should try it. If you don't All right, like it maybe... after 10 minutes, turn it off. No, that's true. All right. All right. Well, I, I appreciate your mildly contrarian review. No, it's. I mean, for me, it's a positive review. I just can understand why... You know, and again, I could say the same thing about Ghostbusters uh, 2016. I can understand somebody looking at me and, and making a case for it's overlong, it's the improv goes on too long. Um, yeah, sure. But you know what? I really enjoy watching it, and I can enjoy a movie that isn't put together perfectly. I still get a lot out of it. So mm-hmm. I feel that way about this one. Uh, all right, one more. Um, <laughs> I don't know. So I'm... I'm a little embarrassed to admit that I'd never seen this movie. But 
Uh, and I knew I had to see it. Some, uh, someday I would have to watch this movie. But it just it was never accessible. And finally, I'm going through HBO Go, and I see, oh, oh, oh. It's finally time for You Got Served. I don't think I've ever seen it. You know it, though, right? It's Do Okay, I? so I would like to start an online petition Ooh. to replace the first Step Up movie to officially rebrand Step Up as Save the Last Dance Part 2 and to instead turn You Got Served into Step Up the prequel. And then we continue with Step Up 2 and then the franchise is as it should always have been. This is a Step Up movie from 2003. It is something, Christine. It is... I, I'm like at a loss for words of, of how to really say this movie made me so happy. If you thought that, like, some of the dancers in Step Up aren't good actors, you haven't seen You Got Served. <laughs> Look, I never thought that. Um, okay, so little Walt from Lost. Walt! You know yeah. what I mean. Look, I know who Walt yeah. is. Yeah, he's in it as a little kid. And the best thing about this movie, spoiler alert, um, and spoiler alert to the first Step Up, which, again, is not a good movie, but gets randomly dark when one of the characters gets shot and dies. Um, that happens to Walt in You Got Served, completely no. off screen. Like, he's just a little kid that hangs out with the dance crew. And then at one point, they're like, hey, I thought Little Magic was going to show up to the to the practice. They're like, yo, no, you didn't hear? What? He got shot in a drive-by. Wait, what? And so then they end up, like, the rest of the movie is kind of like, hey, we're going to do this for Walt. Um... And there is dancing. There is, they do the, the great thing where it's like, you know, the dance crew is primarily, um, you know, like young men and women of color. And then the evil dance crew are the white rich kids. Yep. Who are well. poaching talent from them and stealing their moves a la Bring It On. Yep. Did I mention that I recently watched Bring It On? You didn't. Did you enjoy it? Yeah, I mean, I guess it didn't make it on a list. Oh, yeah, I love that movie. Zach had never seen it. It's funny. That's one of those movies I, I love too. And I've. Like, I quote it all the time, I end up referencing it all the time, and I keep wanting to show it to Brannon, but I feel like he's going to hate it, because he does not usually like high school high school movies that where the characters have, like, their own kind of language. Yeah, and I, I guess. And I, I have concerns about that. I can see that, and it might not hit well, like, if they're... I mean, I, I might have hated it had I not had, like, nostalgia for it. Yeah, yeah. Um... Yeah, you <laughs> you should get served. And yes, they say you got served like five times in the movie. And... I, don't, I, I don't think I have ever seen okay, it. I Steve think I Harvey plays like the neighborhood. Um, uh, there's not really a step of equivalent character to him. He's like the neighbor, the guy that runs the um, like neighborhood rec center. Okay. So he's giving out wisdom. Um, there's a character named Beautiful with two L's. And oh, who's he? Oh, and <laughs> the end is a dance contest, obviously. And the judge is none other than Lil Kim. <gasps> well, that's enough yeah. right yeah. there for me. So this was joyous. The acting is. Let's not talk about it. Let's talk about the dancing, which is great. Uh, it's it is so it is cheese. Uh, I'm I feel bad for having spent all these years, you know, only talking about Step Up when I should have been talking about You Got Served and then Step Up Two through Five. So, um, you've been added to my heart. You got served. Wow, what um, a ringing endorsement. Yeah, yeah. No, it made me very happy. 
Uh, and then lastly, as we said, I went to the theater to see Midsummer. I was one of three yeah. people in my theater. Really? Yeah. Um, it was like a Saturday. No, it was a Friday morning. Yeah. Well, no, I guess maybe that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, how was your theater experience? Our theater was packed. Okay. Were like, they behaving? Yes. Okay, good. So when the movie ended, I said, good, bad, or indifferent, that man should be very impressed that he got a theater f- packed with normies to be quiet for two and a half hours. Yeah. Um, I haven't had that kind of experience since the Vavitch which was like a Friday night, go to see it. And I remember thinking, oh, crap, it's Friday night, and we've decided to see a quiet horror movie. But that theater was dead silent when we saw it because everybody was like, what are they saying? And with Midsummer, it was – I know there was at least one other person. I think there were two. And so my theater was quiet. And I had a seltzer, and I kept trying to drink it, but I was like, oh, God, I need to not – I need to make sure I don't slurp because I didn't want to disrupt the two other people in my theater's experience. <laughs> So let's talk about it. I think we're yeah. going to probably end up spoiling just in terms of because it, I don't want to n- have to accidentally spoil it. So people, if you want to hear us talk about it, listen. If you want to see the movie first, then wait until you hear a music playing. And then that means we're going to talk about base, uh, the Indecent Proposal. So tell me, what was your, how did you feel? What would you think? I liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought, I, I do think it was overlong. Um I don't feel like had, there was any reason for it to be that long. You can feel free to disagree with me. Well, I think um, if this was a case of a movie where if I had watched it at home, I think I would have felt that way. But going to a theater and sitting in the dark and especially because, and I haven't had this experience in a really long time, of feeling as if I was alone in the theater, uh, I was fully on board for anything that, it, that was going to happen. So the length did not bother me. But I can... I can understand anybody feeling as though it went on too long. Yeah, it was just it was just a little bit long um, for me. I I like the 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 method that was also employed in Hereditary, mm. where it was, "Hello, everyone. This is what this movie is about." <laughs> Hi, I'm going to give you everything you need to know as a clue throughout my movie here is a tapestry telling you everything that's going to happen you can I, look at I, it and take out take a lesson or you cannot that's up to you i i really enjoy that because i i like i fancy myself an attentive viewer mm-hmm. so i like i did i did notice all these things yep. but i wasn't a hundred percent sure how they'd come into play and it wasn't the same frustration i have when like movies are out of order which is a thing that has been really big for a while like yeah. well, let like me the perfection sh- kind of yeah let me that. show you how this is gonna end yeah. oh god and then, i hate that let me this like i i, I often think of don't breathe um, oh my god movie... that to me is the prime offender of that because the movie spoils itself with its prologue yes. so it's not like that it's not like you just told me and now all right. i'm gonna be thinking about is how it's gonna end up there right. how are you we gonna wanna... get from this tapestry of vagina hair to uh the end of the movie yeah because it's not obtrusive nope nope. and it's 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 just there and like and and when it pays off you feel satisfied but you're not necessarily like waiting for it to pay off like oh when's this gonna come into yeah you're waiting for a payoff because you know what you've bought a ticket to but you're not thinking the whole time 
okay, but there was that one tapestry and that one statement about this where we got to see how that's exactly going to happen. No, it's not that. It's just as things come together, you start to piece it together and say, oh, right, just like that uh, ruin they had on the the notebook or whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I like that. So I enjoy, I enjoyed that. I, I don't, I didn't love all the, I didn't love the extended, like altered state sequences towards the end. It got to be a little, a little much mm. like I, it ran a little long for me. Um, I like some being... of, I like how he did it. I think the kind of, just like the subtlety of it of you know these flowers sort of opening and moving and sometimes it was subtle and sometimes it was not yes sometimes fair. it was it was it was a little um goofy a little snapchat filtery yeah which is which is fine again i'm not gonna fault this movie i i liked it a lot i just feel like maybe you know what it's like all stars three <laughs> if you if you come on if you do come on the runway every week with something amazing the one week where you're just a 10 and you're not amazing, I'm going to be mean to you like they Fair. were mean to Ben in the Disco Challenge. Fair. So I I just, I expected a lot. I got a lot, but I'm maybe going to be hypercritical of it. Mm-hmm. I guess, like, that is a compliment in a, yeah. in a fucked up way. Like, well, here's, I think, where I realized that I kind of fell on it. Because I, I really liked it. I loved the experience of watching it. It didn't it didn't get me the way hereditary did but at the same time i think on one hand i'm watching it, i'm like oh i can see i know him as a filmmaker within two films i know his trick or what he gravitates towards and what he does i know okay and like there's like little tiny things of you know this kind of a guttural wail of his female characters like okay right yep. we did that in both or yep. the whole exploring this you know um you know this character kind of coming to terms and and choosing the dark side and all this. And it dawned on me, I'm like, you know, it, it takes me back to me being in my 20s. When I was in my 20s, my favorite authors were Kurt Vonnegut and Tom Robbins. And all, and they're, they're very similar writers in many ways. And their novels all both have the same kind of sense of humor, same kind of language. They get a little absurd, you know. And then, you know, as I got older, my later 20s, my early 30s, at a certain point, I picked up one of the books and I and I read a new one by one of them or a, a Monica book I hadn't had since he was dead by them. But it was like I read, you know, oh, excited, the new Tom Robbins novel. And I read it. And I'm like, I read this novel before. This is it's all the same tricks. It's the same quirky character and it's the same like weird sexual thing and the same, you know, playful language. And with now it's only his second movie. So on one hand, I'm fine with, okay, I saw you did this once, and now you're doing a lot of it again. You're, you're playing with it. You're not doing the same exact thing, but you are using a lot of the same tools. I really want you now to make, to come back to me with another movie that is just completely different somehow. Mm-hmm. Because the, the bones of this movie are, are very, very related to Hereditary. And... I thought that's what I wanted because I loved Hereditary, but there's also a part of me that thinks, "Am I the next movie you make? Am I going to immediately know what I'm getting? I, I want I want to be surprised by you." And I, at a certain point, I realized I'm like, I'm not going to be that surprised by this. Yeah, no, I, I get that, and I, I maybe unconsciously I kind of felt that 
way as well because I picked up on the same things mm. that you picked up on and mentioned. I, I didn't I didn't like dissect that thought. I just kind of had it and let it sit. But like, uh, but there was also a lot of really great stuff. And if people want to rep for this movie hard, I get it. Oh like, yeah. But I also so I saw a tweet today that really reframed it and I wanted to retweet it and I wanted to comment on it, but I felt like maybe I should just shut up. Um, but somebody was there. People were talking about like, we would like to see articles and pitches about this movie from, you know, people of color and non-binary mm. folks. Cause I want to see what they have to say, like a different reading of it because there's a lot here. And, um, uh, a dude said, I really feel like, um, the Josh character, the the kid that was actually there for his thesis, mm-hmm. I feel like Cheaty. he got he got done dirty like Darwin in X Men First Class, and I that spoke to me so deeply because Darwin in X Men First Class dies unceremoniously very quickly for no apparent reason, mm-hmm. and um, also he and he proceeded to say, um, but that's okay. The white girl got closure or something and i was like oh fuck Mm. (laughs) that really when you frame it like that that's fucking cheap huh (laughs) yeah well yeah there's uh, it's interesting because i didn't i wasn't thinking and again i'm white i don't always you know race doesn't come up to me first when i watch a movie usually gender does but mm-hmm. then sometimes when I see it, like I'm saying in Poseidon, it's kind of like, oh, yeah. And it never, I never thought I, thought to even think watching it. A few times I, I thought to myself, I'm like, okay, so we're in Sweden. So, yeah, the characters are white and blonde and redheaded for the most part. And so I'm going to call him Cheaty because he's Cheaty on the good place. And that's all he's ever going to be to me in a good way. Um, you know, he stands out because he is black. And the other, the two, the British couple, who are also kind of of, I guess, British Indian descent, mm-hmm. um, and the three of those characters are the ones who have death scenes completely off screen. We really, you know, we see what's happened to two of them. I never really could even fully understand if she was killed, too. I think she was, but they never really show her. Um, and there is... A, See, the thing to me that um, I was in a conversation with somebody else today about this movie and about how how much of a villain is Christian in it. Mm-hmm. Because he's a, he's kind of a dick. Um, but is he a dick that deserves to be set on fire at the end? You know, no, I guess not. Um, but I think what the movie is doing is the movie take very quickly takes the side of um, Danny so that you're, you know, you're meant to just kind of root for her and be with her and, yeah, you know what, let it, let him burn. And, in, and one of the things that happens along the way is that Christian becomes more of a villain, not so much because of how he's already been treating Danny, but when he turns on Chidi. Right? When Josh comes to, and when Josh is like, yeah, I'm writing my paper, and Christian's like, yeah, by the way, I am too. And it's a dick move. It's a total dick move. And it almost feels like, did they just put that in there to make him more unlikable? So that it's even more, so that you're a little bit even more inclined to say, yeah, burn the motherfucker. I don't know, because it's really, a lot of what you said is interesting. Um, Because I read something that really um, tied in 
his taking of that idea to his overall like lack of empathy mm. and that it wasn't it didn't to me it didn't feel like additive it felt like a natural progression okay like of, of course he did but also i think it's funny that you're not the only one that i've heard say this I didn't. I think Zach felt the same way. I didn't think that he was worse in the second half. I thought he was worse in the first half. I thought he was actually kind of like sympathetic in the second half. <laughs> Which I mean, maybe it's because I'm very familiar with abusive relationships. He was awful in the beginning. Yeah. Like, like, tr- like full on. I am triggered. Make a joke yeah. about how triggered I am because this is awful. I can't watch this. And I actually kind of, once they got there, I was like, oh, he's a dope. Maybe he's trying a little bit. But I don't know. I, I and sure, it's a, it's a, it, it, the movie's not real. And I, <laughs> I will 100% say absolutely he deserves to die. But like it's also it's also not real life, and I don't think anybody really deserves to die. But it's a movie. Yeah, I mean, I think he deserves to die in the way, like, with Suspiria, which is not a movie I loved, but I did feel it like by the end, like, oh yeah, sacrifice these 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 people, like humiliate these cops, like all of that. Where um, you I, and I think that's something powerful about a lot of these kind of, and it's often very true of like very pagan based horror. Mm-hmm. Of yeah, I know that these people don't deserve what's happening to them, but I'm into it. It's entertaining. I'm feeling the power this character is feeling. So yeah, burn him, right? Put him in the wicker man, do these things. I think there's, you know, the the movie get, and it's actively working too, but yeah, it gets me on the side of, oh yeah, you, you take your May Queen status and you own it. Yeah. I mean, that's the movie that, that we, we got for two and a half hours. Like that's what, we got we got so that's the reaction we're supposed to have so i don't know if it means that we're terrible people if we have mm-hmm. that or yeah. if we're or right. we're, no, he's if driving we're us towards that yeah because we think the, that man should get burned to death i mean the movie goes out of its way to say hey this is death is about you know tr- transformation and yeah. like these these like when the two older folk jump off mm-hmm. the thing like hey this is about Getting giving your life and- in, instead of being a victim to of death, right. essentially, and like yeah, he 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 had he, his life got taken away from him so that it could serve a greater good, something that he was unwilling to do. He was mm-hmm. unwilling to to be in service of others in any capacity. Yeah. So I don't know. I th- that's the fucking movie. So yeah. like, if you're gonna and people are like, oh, you didn't deserve that. I see all these stories of people. <laughs> Being like, oh, he didn't deserve that. Eh, well, like, he did. And also, like, yeah, you know what? Kevin Bacon didn't deserve to get speared in Friday the 13th, but, but he did. If and, you add like, any feminist undertones to things, yeah. it's a dude, it's immediately he didn't deserve it. Yep, yep. How many female characters didn't deserve what yeah. they got? Yeah. What, where are we talking about that? Is that good? Is that making or breaking the movie for yeah, us? Do we want to talk oh. about the amount of female characters that didn't deserve to get raped or torn apart or whatever it might be? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Rose McGowan's character in Scream didn't really deserve to get stuck in that. Do- yep. Yeah. Nobody no shit. That. That's the fucking movie. Yeah. You either you either deal with it or you don't. If uh, like remember when we talked about Hatchet and I had yep. I had a huge problem with some of the some of the really misogynistic mm-hmm. violence in Hatchet like yeah that broke it for me that's where I'm at in my life yeah. if you can't see a dude get burned to death 
after the movie told you for hours that he, he <laughs> potentially deserved it in this universe, then then maybe you need to reevaluate yourself. Ugh, it's the same. I feel like it's the same dudes that are be like, oh, all men aren't trash. <laughs> okay, bro. Yeah, okay. Thanks Those are the same that. dudes that would date a girl for four years and not break up with her, even though they actively didn't like her and told their friends, yeah, I don't really like her. But they're too chicken shit to break up with her. So then they end up going to Sweden and getting burned to death. It's no, and, here, and here's, the, here's the real question. Are dudes seeing that bad behavior... The, in in themselves and being like, well, I hope nobody burns me alive. Like, I mean, I don't want to be so on the nose with it, but is that what it is? Right, right. Like, it. Do you recognize in this movie when you watch it why he is and whether you like? I'm not saying a villain worthy of death, but why this character is meant to be villainous in some way because the way he. The, the way he is in this relationship is damaging and borderline abusive without, you know, being uh, passively abusive, if you will. Yes. Yeah. And if you don't see that, then there's a concern. I'm not saying you have to say, oh, yeah, if you act like that, you should get burned alive in a bear suit. Not no. saying that. But if you don't recognize why his actions at the beginning of the film are problematic, then let's have a talk. Yeah, and I, I really, I really hope it's for all these people's sake. I really hope it's not as on the nose as, oh, I'm kind of an asshole. Does that mean I'm bad too? Right. Yeah, it does. Yeah, like, or think about <laughs> the ways you have been an asshole, maybe. Instead of being like, well, he that seems a little unnecessary. Anybody that thinks that that came out of nowhere, I don't know what I can do for you. Yep. That. That was 100% no. how that movie was going to end. And there's so many, like, I love the this the moment when they find out that the um, British couple, that they got, oh yeah, no, he left already, but, he, but he's going to send somebody back for you. And when Danny looks at Christian and says to him, that seems like something you'd do to me. Like, yeah. it's just such a perfect line. And yeah, like, I think a lot of us have been in relationships like that, where we look at the person and say, oh yeah, you don't treat me very nicely. And that that is something that is, again, not typically a movie, a, 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 a conflict that turns into a movie where you burn the person alive. Mm -hmm. But isn't that cool that we have a movie where that's the reason somebody gets burned alive? I mean, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I'm talking myself back into the movie a bit. No, uh, I, 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 like I said, I think there's so much to talk about, and I think it's so interesting, and I think it does so many interesting things. Mm -hmm. But again, if you walk down that runway in something that's just great, and you've been fucking killing it, I'm going to be hard on you, apparently. Yeah. They were too hard on Ben. But anyways, yes, I just wanted... I don't know what I wanted. Yeah, I, and I, I think that that is going to be one of those things when I when I eventually go and rewatch it, is to look at it from the the innocent victim's point of view. Because you, you have several of them. Now, you could argue that Will Poulter's character is, is an asshole who, okay, well, he would die in any movie. That character is always going to die because he is disrespectful and, and kind of an asshole. Yeah. But um, Josh or Chidi and the other couple, you know, what? where do they fit in? In, and are we even are we supposed to be questioning or not 
Um, I think there there's something interesting about watching it that way, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So it's it's funny, and I think he's he's one of those directors, kind of like Jordan Peele in this way, where he likes to talk about his movie, and sometimes I'm like I'm starting to get to that old fashioned place of like, you know what? I I don't know if I want to hear what you have to say because now you say things, and I as soon as you say it as the director, now we all have to take it as oh right, that's what that means, and I. I I think, and I and Jordan Peele kind of does this too. He does, he did it with both Get Out and Us, where he would just blatantly say, "Oh yeah, this represented this and this and that," and then you're like, "But, but, but, but isn't it kind of interesting if I put a different spin on it?" And it becomes harder to do that when you have so many quotes of the director saying otherwise. And so that's like another thing. But I, yeah, I I want his next movie to be something really. Uh, it's not like to- I just I don't want to see him go back to the same bag of tricks for the next one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Um, I wonder how it's doing. I actually haven't checked. Um, but the box office was curious how it will do. Uh, and I'm also surprised it got an R and not an NC-17 because we got full frontal male nudity. Yes, which is nice. Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, why would we not have that in this kind of situation? And were you also distracted slash thinking maybe it was inspired casting? Didn't that actor remind you so much of Chris Pratt? He did a little bit, yeah. Yeah. And I feel like now, because the tide has turned so hard on Chris Pratt, it made it like, oh, yeah, you're an ass. I can just tell you're an asshole because you look like Chris Pratt. Mm, I mean, that's not untrue. Yeah, yeah. Um, All right, so that was midsummer. Um, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back and, I don't know, put on some $5,000 Gucci gown and talk about indecent proposal. Oi. In the woods there grew a tree and a fine, fine tree was he. And on that tree there was a limb, and on that limb there was a branch, and on that branch there was a nest, and in that nest there was an egg, and in that egg there was a bird, and from that bird a feather came, and all that feather was a bed. And on that bed there was a girl, and on that girl... 1993, we were 11, uh, and Indecent Proposal was like one of the biggest movies of the year. I remember it being advertised so much. I remember it being... I do, I do too. I remember yeah. pieces from the trailer, for sure. And it being parodied everywhere. Yep. Like, I think there was an In Living Color sketch. There was probably a Saturday Night Live sketch. Like, it was just an immediate go-to joke of... So, for $1 million, can I sleep with your wife? Or whatever the joke might be. Uh, I had never seen it. I think I had seen probably, like, parts of it in passing, but I had never sat down and watched it. I was so curious, because this made a lot of money. It was a big cultural thing of the time. But yet, you never hear anybody talking about it anymore. Apparently, there is a remake in the works somewhere. Um... But I figured, hey, it's a 90s sexy time movie. Those are always ridiculously fun and stupid to watch. Let's give it a go. Um, I know where I think both of us fell on it. 
But before mm. and again, for everybody out there to know, we will spoil this movie. Not that the movie doesn't spoil itself in the very opening scene, but we are going to go into full detail. So if you want to be a indecent proposal virgin, then take a pause, spend an hour and 50 minutes of your life on Amazon Prime watching it, and then come back and listen. Uh, because Christine is about to tell us the plot of Indecent Proposal. This movie is too long. That being said, it's about a couple of an undetermined age. Well, no, no, no. I think they they say they met, they got married when they were 19. And I think they've been married for seven years. So they are about 26 or so. Okay, I guess I'd buy that. I could not figure out how old they were and why they were so bad at money, but yet (laughs) had a really nice house the whole time. Anyways... They're it's really hard bad to be that good at money when you're spending so much time on your architecture passion. They like each other in the sense that Demi Moore is kind of abusive. Like, she likes to hit him hard in the head, which is nice. Which because is nice he to... leaves his dirty shoes on the kitchen table, Dude, which is pretty disgusting. You never put your hands on another person, ever. But anyways, they get the into a bad the situation. They, he this is why that. you and I would never work. But, like, because you would hit me. And you would leave your dirty shoes. I would never do that. It, but also, like, come on, you're a grown man. Anyways, they're, they're, I guess what I'm trying to say is, is their relationship. Is he a grown man or is he a man child? I kind of got man child, but. They're, 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 this is not a healthy relationship By from the means. jump. Yeah. But they are, in, they are in a bad way with money for maybe reasons that you understood better than me. Well, I think the but... reasons were simply architecture school. And recession. Well, he was an architect. Right. But then recession. And he, and he got laid off. Mm-hmm. But they were building a house for, so they, to flip. Yeah, they bought property because she's a real estate agent. How long were they both out of work? That And how bad were they at saving money? I'm not, look, I'm the last person <laughs> to pour shame. I just don't understand why they thought that they were in a position to buy this land and build this house on spec because he didn't. He wasn't building it for a buyer. And it really wasn't was that. You're right. It. Yeah. And it wasn't that interesting a house. Like at one point there's a model of the house and you're like, I don't know, it just kind of looks guess. like a beach house. I don't really see. Yeah. We're not talking, you know, like Brady Bunch style here or anything. This is the things that these are the things that I got stuck on. Same. I got really confused, but it's it's unnecessary. What had happened was they got behind on, I guess, the the loan payments, mm-hmm. and they, and again, last person to poor shame. But they dis- they got five thousand dollars from from Woody's dad. dad yeah, decided to go gamble it away as you do or, or to make fifty thousand yeah, dollars they see, wanted to make five thousand yeah. fifty thousand and how do you do that but with gambling um they're actually doing very well and they then make a series of wildly bad decisions again which seems to be a trend in this movie <laughs> but then there's robert redford and he's like i don't know a i like the looks of this lady yeah. So I want to give you a million dollars to sleep with her, and you guys need 50000 So, I mean, I guess that all works out. And I guess that they come to an agreement on it, even though they barely talk about it. Well, no, they, and I mean, then, they bring in Oliver Platt as a lawyer to sign the form, so it's, which, it's completely legal. Which isn't legal, <laughs> because he's arranging solicitation of a yes. person, and, and, and selling one's body is, for some reason, not legal. But they are um, in Vegas, right? Are the rules different there? They're they're not. It is legal mm. to have 
have um, sex for money in certain areas, in certain okay. cordoned off areas like brothels right, and right. stuff. But you can't just sell. You can't do a legal binding document. Okay, there goes my plan for investing. But okay. Well, I mean, look, maybe one day. Um, it made no sense, but that's fine. And then this is a series of people not making sense to me. So Woody then gets super upset, even though Demi's not really doing anything. Mm-hmm. Like she's not acting weird or doing nope. anything weird. Like she's just existing. And they have a fucking million dollars. Like so. I don't get it. And well, because then I guess, they like, go to buy back the property or to pay off the payments, and they find out that the property has been purchased by Robert Redford. But they don't find that out until way later. He's already thrown. He's already fits. being an asshole. Yeah, he already threw the wine bottle. Unacceptable oh, throwing a wine bottle at a refrigerator. Yep. Imagine the cleanup on that. Yeah. Ugh. So uh, then, and then. He leaves her, right? Well, no, Woody. then, no, 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 no. Then Robert Redford starts stalking Demi Moore. Well, yeah, but doesn't Woody leave her? He leaves her, right? She doesn't no, leave him? No, she ends up leaving him because he's getting increasingly terrible to her. Um, okay. Robert Redford keeps remember. trying to woo her by stalking her, by showing, up, showing, at her pla- up, by showing up in both places of her work and being incredibly... Because I was totally on Robert Redford's side for most of this movie. And then he turned into an asshole because he is stalking her at her place of work doing and not just like showing up and being like, oh, hey, I'm a client. Can you show me a house? He then shows up. She's teaching citizenship. He shows up in her classroom full of like 40 adults, sits there and starts saying, isn't she cute? Isn't she beautiful? Fuck you. That's sexual harassment and stalking and call the cops on this asshole. He says to her. If you were mine, I wouldn't let any... Like, if this woman has no autonomy... No, no. She's, she bounces between the two of them. So then she gets into, I don't know, I guess a healthy relationship with Robert Redford. We never One see could, it, so we don't know, but I mean... We don't know, you know but I can't adopt assume the hippo. that is. Right? I, I feels, it feels very not. The hippo thing is fucking weird. It's fucking strange. I I felt like I was high when the hippo first showed up. I didn't understand. So, yeah, for those wondering, like, there's not, like, a magical hippo that becomes, like, the supporting character in the this relationship. It's... So, Demi Moore has now left Woody Harrelson for Robert Rifford, and she served him divorce papers. And the terms of the divorce is you get everything. You get the million dollars and presumably the dog, which is a separate thing because that dog is adorable. Um, But as long as you like do a no contest on the divorce. So her and Robert Redford are at this thing that I guess rich people, if you're rich, you do, which is you go to a brunch and Billy Connolly shows up and auctions off zoo animals that you can sponsor. And so people are walking around with monkeys, which is fun. Uh, but then there's Billy Connolly just has a picture of a hippo and says, like, who wants to adopt the hippo? And Robert Redford starts bidding on it. And then somebody in the back of the room says, one million dollars. And it's Woody Harrelson. And Woody Harrelson has come to sign away his mil- to sign off the divorce papers, but to then use that million dollars to adopt the hippo for Demi Moore. Okay, um, so the fact that neither one of them would take the money is asinine, yes. but fine. Also, once he does have the money, it's not his. he doesn't have a million dollars. He had to pay Oliver Platt. Yeah. They literally have that point yeah. in the movie. Oh, yeah. 
So now he's out. What is also taxes on it? But whatever. Is there ta- like, so it's a million dollars minus five percent. Um, so now he has to owe. He he doesn't. He's out five percent that he has to pay Oliver Platt because he's just used his million dollars to adopt a hippo. And it seems extreme. They had been like, uh, what was it at? Like 50, 50 K. Oh yeah. He could have easily gone like a hundred K and it would have been like the same sweeping gesture, but I get it. I get it. I get it. He, he got him. There was a million dollars exchanged to bang Demi Moore. Now there's a million dollars exchanged for this hippo. So it's the same. Totally. Um, so she leaves the hippo brunch party with Robert Redford, um, who then decides, looks at her and basically says, you know, essentially what he's doing is he's giving her an out, but the way he does it, he's like, oh, yeah, you're a part of the Million Dollar Club. I do this with a lot of women and sleep with them and then, uh, you know, and do this. And it's very clear that she's like, oh, no, you don't, but you but you want me to go back to Woody Harrelson, so I will. And she leaves Robert Redford. <gasps> what and, the fuck is that? And this is the era of, again, no cell phones, so... You can, with no plan whatsoever, just go to a place that meant something in your relationship at one point and assume that the person you're you're thinking of is going to go to the exact same place. We were much better at, like, telecommunication back in the 90s. I don't know if people, younger people know that. Um, but so she does, and it's raining, and her and Woody Harrelson get back together to continue their terribly toxic relationship. This movie is so problematic. Uh, it's so, on top of that, it's boring yeah, and not it's, cohesive. It's not fun. Confusing at times. Yeah. Motivations never really make sense. Yeah. And they don't they don't really fully explore like the mental issues that Woody has that that's getting him so upset. Because there's this whole conflation between sex and relationships mm. and love. If this story was about that, like, hey, I'm telling, hey, I'm Demi Moore. I'm telling you that I can have sex with him, and I'm not going to catch feelings, or it's not going to mean anything to me, and we can just be regular. And then he's like, but it means something for me. But nobody ever really talks. No, no. Nobody and really and that's the thing. The like, I think what was it? What this movie what was probably interesting about this movie when it came out was that it just posed a really simple dinner party question, right? Would you do? You're at, and you can picture like adults like hanging out together and like having nothing to talk about and being like, "Hey, did you see uh, that indecent proposal? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what do you think? Would uh, would you let your wife sleep with uh, with that guy for a million bucks? I don't know. Like there, there, and there is something to like. You're gonna, you are gonna get a very different answer from not just different couples, but from different members of those couples. Like, I, I mean, you know, you and Zach might have your own opinions on it. Like, I have mine. Brandon had his. Like, that there is something. Okay, and it's, a, it's an interesting premise. Sure. Gee, can't we make a good movie out of that? Apparently we couldn't. Not in 1993. Not with Adrian Lynn directing. Because it boils down to this base, childish oh my God. dick measuring. Yeah. Yeah, which is which. It's fine. It, open relationships, polyamory, right? You know, like that's not for everybody. But like, don't just don't just have it be this blanket statement about how, like, I'm territorial over a woman. Because it's like, so. It, I remember thinking when this movie came out and having never seen it, I always assumed that the whole movie was about whether or not she's going to do it. 
And it's not. Yeah, I, mean, I think they, I thought that Because they really, they played coy in the trailer. They didn't say that she does it. It's all about like, oh, would you do this? Would you do this? So I assumed, because I, and I, in the early 90s, that the, it was a much more, con- and I mean, not that it's not conservative now, but a lot of entertainment was very conservative. If a character was having an affair, no matter what, whether it was a movie, whether it was a soap opera, a sitcom, that character always had to confess and, you know, be punished for it, right? Mm-hmm. If a character cut school, they were found out at the end. I remember Ferris Bu- watching Ferris Bueller and being like, you mean they don't find out? He doesn't get punished? What? Oh, my God. Because we were still in, like, Reagan era and post-Reagan era when it was still this sense of... And, and I mean, you look at, like, Basic Instinct and these other movies of the time that are sold as being sexy, daring, except in the end, sex is punished. Um, you know, in the case of Basic Instinct, the bisexual woman is a murderous villain. It's always... You know, Fatal Attraction, which, you know, was supposed to end with the man being punished and the woman winning, in a sense, instead ends with the evil woman is punished for trying to destroy a marriage, a family. And the Rock's a Cradle, same thing. Like, everything always ended on this very family values note. And this movie tries to play with that and be sexy and be about how, like, oh, maybe, you know, it's totally fine for them to do this. And maybe, you know, uh, in the end, she is going to leave Woody Harrelson. And then it just wraps back around to, well, because they were high school sweethearts, they were meant to be together. No, they weren't because they are terrible for each other. Yeah. I just, like, I don't know. If you're gonna if you're gonna try to take on a, co- a complex idea, take it on in a thoughtful way. Yeah. If you're gonna try to turn what is a complex idea into something simpl- well, simplistic and offensive, where you take away all of her agency, yep. then like it was so frustrating and, and pointless. It felt pointless. Yeah. And I think I mean I think Demi Moore is. I mean, she was such a star at the time. And mm-hmm. I think she's doing what she can, and casting her in that part makes that character probably a stronger presence than may have been. But you think about the way this movie opens, and it's all about, oh, Woody, you know, I'm just going to call him Woody, was an architect and loved architecture and loved taking me around town and talking about architecture. Oh my god, I'm so glad that stuck out so to you ways. too. And yeah, I was like, I yelled at the TV. What do you like to do? Exactly, because then it's like, it's just like, and then I got a job as a realtor, and you're like, wait, but so is that what you want? Is that who you are? Like, are you are you also an artist? Do you guys want to have kids? Like, what what is in this for you? And the the answer is nothing. And even when Robert Redford meets her, there is nothing about her that he is. He's purely taken by, she's beautiful, and for whatever reason, this Vegas realtor is what I want right now in my life. Mm -hmm. But there's no, like, she's not, and again, like, not to pull, like, I know I talked about this on the last episode, like, the whole Bella Swan thing of this incredibly ordinary to the point of, but you're not even trying, and I think that sounds like this sort of, like, oh, no, you did, as long as, if you're a woman, as long as you're beautiful that's going to get you some kind of crazy adventure and wonderful life and men will fall for you. And I don't know, give me something. Yep. Give, give me architecture. I don't know. Like, what is she doing with the, with the money? Nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, 
don't, I, yeah, I just, I didn't get it. And like, for me, the answer to the question is, um, yeah, like I would do it for like, like seven thousand dollars. <laughs> like, it's Robert Redford and also money. I mean, it like, is Robert Redford. Yeah. What? Like, are you? What the fuck? <laughs> like, but that's me, and right. I understand that other people would have a different reaction. So that there's an there's like a built-in conflict <clears throat> that they never explore because it's never about her and i think that's the problem i mean there you go that's that's it yeah end of story right because we and i mean granted that scene where she's where they're re- they're first really arguing about the scene where he throws the wine and he's just grilling her and grilling her and she's like i anything i say to you you're not gonna yep. believe or you're not gonna want to hear yep so i'm There's, just gonna say yeah, anything right. and like and that's the movie in a nutshell of her knowing look you're a baby um, you're you're tearing up pictures of me as if, you know, I pinned another boy behind the playground in fifth grade. Like that scene where he's literally taking pictures of them and ripping them up is not yep. something grownups do. And so there is yeah, that Zach moment. Yeah, Zach said that too. He he was like, that's something that like a seventeen year old. Yeah, and like and then he killer. was like, there's an interesting like because this was their first like real relationship. Like they're they're high school sweethearts, right? It like are they stunted? Do they not know how to how to gr- like grieve the loss of a relationship, or do they not know how to not be jealous? But again, the movie doesn't and do it, anything. It, what's with annoying that. too about that is that it blatantly sidesteps that because yeah. they establish in the beginning that they met in high school and they show her with braces on when they meet, and then when they're talking about whether or not to do it, they say to each other, "Well, it's we've both had sex with other people." Now, look, everybody had different high school experiences. Some people had sex when they were 14. Some had sex when they were 27. Who knows? But what an easy, interesting conflict that would have added something and would have explained a lot if they said to each other, well, because I thought from the very beginning when they talk about how they got, where they eloped when they were 19 and their family thought they were crazy, I was like, oh, they've only been with each other. So this really is a bigger thing if suddenly it goes from you know somebody that you married later in life and like yeah i know what sex is i've had sex with a lot of people versus oh but i've actually only had sex with you like that's a conflict right there yeah and the movie blatantly just says no no no, that's not our conflict why because it, it could have been more interesting then really strange yeah. that it chose to tell the story and it is not a short movie oh my god no it's almost two hours and it's also it's one of those th- questions that I, I think you and i often have on movies like this that don't work one of the reasons it doesn't work is you look at it and you say whose movie is this whose story is yeah. this it opens with both of them narrating yep taking turns which makes so, no sense and doesn't do isn't think- consistent and goes away do you think the book is a complete nightmare? Oh, I think from what I understand, the book is so... De- the book is, like, about um, Arab-Jewish relations, I think. Shut your mouth. From, uh, so I only... I didn't read the book, obviously. I mean, not obviously a lot of times I read no, the books I in these movies. To. No, the book is apparently um, much more about the, like, political, socioeconomic, political intrigue between the characters, and that I think one of the characters is Jewish and one of them is Arabic. And I think that's like a whole thing in itself. So from what I understand, this is 
almost nothing to do with the book. Like, it's the skeleton of the premise, but that all the character details are different. The screenplay is by um, Amy Holden Jones, who wrote Mystic Pizza, uh, Mm. Beethoven, um, and is one of the credited writers for Slumber Party Massacre, but I think that's a case where it's, like, very notorious that the director and the person credited for the script, like, were not on the same page at all, and that whatever was shot wasn't script, so I don't know Mm -hmm. how much you can attribute that to her. Um, But, I mean, a successful female screenwriter when there weren't many, not that there are now, but it's... I don't know. Like, I don't know. I'm trying to figure... Is it the script? Is it the direction and the the tone i mean i like i don't think it's poorly like, on paper it makes sense robert redford makes perfect sense in that role um the problem i think is just demi moore's character demi moore is such a more interesting uh presence than the role they have woody harrelson playing mm-hmm. and so how do you get on his side which i think you're supposed to be whose side are you supposed to be on in this yeah n- for, if we're not supposed to be on his side, we spend a lot of time watching him be upset. And, just be a, and then yeah. watching him triumphantly return to work. Oh, God. Talking about architecture. Which is... Oh, God. This movie made me hate architecture. It, I was super confused. Like, I didn't understand what his job was at first. Yeah, because it... I don't know. What an odd... I guess that was also a very 90s thing of, like... 90s movies like this often had very elaborate houses like i'm thinking of sleeping with the enemy like where you were it had to be like an interesting looking house on water so i maybe that was why he was an architect i don't know maybe Uh, but he's just a baby and they they make sense as a couple that got married young and should divorce they don't have kids there's no real collateral damage right now between it and the other problem as much as they they do a lot to make me hate Robert Redford in the scenes where he's stalking Debbie mm-hmm. Moore, but you take that out, and my God, this man has everything over Woody Harrelson. Aside from being rich, he is classy and he's like gentle, and um, you know, he, he he has a few good scenes. He has scenes of, you know, the scene where he kind of talks about like you know why he's never found somebody because he you know he missed his opportunity and stuff like it's not great writing but it's great delivery from robert redford and it's robert redford so he has this presence he has this he's a legend and even in this where he was probably i don't know what like late 50s early 60s he is such a hunk um that like my god how are you supposed to pick woody harrelson over him and they, they don't give us a compelling reason no. other than, I guess, they're both they're both kind of a mess and they work well together. But we don't get that from her. She's not a mess. I, I do. She, she's, she hits him and she goes into a restaurant and, and flips over a yeah, table. Yeah, fair, fair. She's kind, of an, she's kind of a nightmare. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. Did, side note, um, <laughs> did I ever tell you my complicated relationship with Robert Redford growing up? Oh, I really thought it might have been a story about you flipping over a table. Oh, God, no, I don't think yet. so. So, um, I growing up, I did not like Robert Redford. I hated Robert Redford. How come? Because my mother loved Robert Redford. 
<gasps> and used to always joke not only about how like she would leave my dad for Robert Redford, <laughs> which I mean, in fairness, like yeah, I mean, who wouldn't leave anybody for Robert Redford? Maybe unless it was Paul, unless you were married to Paul Newman, why would you leave? Why would you not leave someone for Robert Redford? But also because she, so when I was little, and I, I mentioned this last time too, I I had blonde hair as a kid, and nobody else in my family did. And my mother used to jokingly say it's because I was really Robert Redford's daughter. That <laughs> that my mother had so with Robert funny. Redford. So a guy grew up kind of hating him because I thought you're not my real dad. Your but... mom is amazing, <laughs> isn't she? She's the best. And now when I talk about Robert, she's like, "No, he got old. I don't like him anymore." I'm like, "What? He, he he's aging. I mean, yes, he's like 80 now, but he still yeah, looks he's beautiful. Super old now. No, but my but mom, like... she's like, "No, he's too old." <laughs> Your mom is hysterical, I and I love her. Yeah, I mean, she's the best. Yeah. But as a result, I grew up kind of with a very strong opinion of Robert Redford. And yep. eventually I got over it and was like, oh, no, he's hot. <laughs> That's um, really And funny. he's not my dad, so it's totally fine. I like that story a yes. lot. I figured you'd appreciate it. Um, it does make this a complicated movie for me. But still, I would still leave Woody Harrelson for Robert Redford. <sighs> yes. Like, can we talk about the scene? So they don't show the actual sex between Demi Moore and Robert Redford, which is fine. Um, yeah. They they show a build up to it where she wears like what was really like the style of the '90s, but is so culturally inappropriate, which is like the Chinese style gown. Yeah. Right. With Even the like, Mandarin collar. Oh, yeah. Mandarin collar and her hair and like with chopsticks kind of thing. And I say this, and for my ninth grade prom, I totally had the chopsticks in my hair. Um, but. Uh, so they don't show the sex scene, but they do show the next day her coming home to Woody Harrelson. And can we talk about what he does to her when she walks in the door? How he, how he fucks her lipstick up? He just, like, he goes to kiss her, but instead he puts his thumb on her lips and, like, smudges her lipstick so that, she, like, all over her face like a clown. It's very... And then presumably they bang, Right. Yeah, that's what I thought. So I thought, again, here's like that, like dipping the toe and the complicated feelings about this. Like, you're so hot and powerful and now we have money and you just bang this other dude and now I get to bang you. Like all these weird, complicated like feelings and I'm going to fuck your makeup up because I'm so resentful of the time that you've just spent all, being all beautiful with somebody else. And I was like, oh, is this going to get interesting? Right, right. No, <laughs> and then it, it doesn't. Didn't. No. <laughs> Yeah. He just, so he just fucked her makeup up because he's mean? I don't even know. Right? And, like, how much lipstick was she wearing that he was able to cover her entire face I with mean, it? He, I did, I thought, like, because it, like, it's like he swiped his thumb to the right and then he swiped it to the left. I was really surprised how much lipstick was still on there on the second swipe. I mean, I guess she, she like, I don't really wear lipstick because I find it very, it's a lot of maintenance. Mm-hmm. But it's also kind of odd that she, like, did her face again after the sex, right? Like, she's to leave, I guess? I don't know. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, I, I guess it's like, like, she really, like, put her face on. Perhaps because she knew her husband liked to smear it all over her face afterwards. I don't, I don't know. So, it was strange. And, yeah. And, well, this, yeah. so it's directed by Adrian Lynn, who did Fatal Attraction, who did um, Flashdance, another movie we covered here. Let us never forget. And Adrian Lynn was very much at this time known for like the sexy movies. Mm-hmm. Right? So, Nine and a Half Weeks, uh, which has the crazy, um, what do you call it? Like food on Mickey Rourke's body scene, a Fatal Attraction, 
um, Jacob's Ladder, which is a, a masterpiece and kind of a separate thing, and then later Lolita and Unfaithful. So, like, he was he's the guy you hire when you want, presumably, want to tell the world that you're making a sexy movie. Yep. And bless this movie's heart, it tries to be sexy, but it's really not. Like, it does that thing, which was big in the 90s, where instead of, like, showing nudity, it just shows close-ups of body parts, and you don't really know what body parts you're looking at. <sighs> yeah. It has it's... them having sex under, on, like, on money. Like, they do the thing where it's like, ooh, I'm naked on a pile of money. Isn't that hot? Yeah. Like, no, it's really gross, because money's really dirty. It is, and, like, I don't know. that It was, you're right, it wasn't sexy, it wasn't titillating it was it felt awkward everything felt awkward and forced and like i i get the irony of the statement but everything felt really staged i I get that it's a movie and they're acting but also like the at the beginning when it's like let me hit you in the head and then throw something on the burner and it's gonna catch on fire (laughs) while we have sex and hope that our house doesn't burn down this isn't normal (laughs) it's not very healthy like, the house could have burned down and killed the dog. And the dog was was a hero in the movie. That's true. I liked that dog a yes, lot. Yes, he was very cute. He was like a lab mix, and he seemed to really be, like, there when everybody needed him. Uh, and that was the one thing that also made me not like Demi Moore's character, was she seemed to, like, leave the dog without any bones, if you will. And I was like, yeah. bitch, you got a dog back home. So, didn't like that. Oh, but, uh, yeah, did, did, um... You catch the cameo from a young Billy Bob Thornton early in the yep. film? Yeah. Yep. As soon as I heard his voice, I'm like, is that? Oh, yes, it is. Yeah, looking kind of weird, but, you know. Yeah, yeah but, I mean, now I'm, like, imagining to remake it. Cause I, like, and you read the IMDb trivia for it, and a lot of it's just about the casting of different people that were on board at different times. At one point, it was going to be Warren Beatty, um, which makes sense. At one point... I think they were they wanted to cast Halle Berry, but then decided there would have been very complicated racial undertones if the female character was black. Mm-hmm. I think, and in the in like seeing that they were planning on remaking it, what do you do if you're telling the same story? How would you remake it, casting just from a casting perspective? Do you flip it? Do you make it be about a woman paying the man? Do you play with their ages? Do you play with their genders? Do you play with their races? Like, I don't know. What What do you think might make this story worth telling in 2019? I honestly don't know. I don't think I would, like, do any type of gender flipping because I don't think the inherent power dynamic is present when you do that because you know obviously he has all the power not just because he has all the money but because he he is the man in the situation yeah true so like i I mean i guess you could do that but then you really have to to overhaul where the story goes but i think if if you're gonna remake it no matter what you need to overhaul where the story goes so maybe that's more interesting or and maybe doing like some some more inclusive casting would be good. I do agree that a white man purchasing a black woman is, is maybe very not the best choice. Yeah. But, um, but I do think it might also come across as pandering. If you, if you 
switched if you did more diverse if you put a black ca- man in the robert redford yeah. role and keep like keep it as a white couple or oh that's fetishistic as fuck too very that, much or if it's so if the black man is the is if you recast woody harrelson with Ugh. a black man and you know then, what i yeah i'm gonna go with my gut and say that still unless if you're doing race stuff unless you're you're attacking it head on don't do it because there's no like cool casual way to like pretend like yeah. race and, and and gender and money and aren't gonna play into it so if it was like if if it was a white dude and like a in a, in a a, a black couple that wasn't doing right, well right. financially, then fucking lean into what a predatory yeah. asshole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and especially no. because in thinking about it, it's another thing that this movie could do, could explore, but doesn't is the aspect of, and it's kind of repeated throughout of Robert Redford saying, "I can buy any money, can buy anything." Yeah, and you know this young hopeful couple. But you know what? They're like, he's an architect and she's a realtor. They're not like, it's not that she's working, you know, as a diner waitress and he's a musician. It's like, they're not living on a prayer. Like, Mm -hmm. but would it have been more interesting if they were, if it was working class in the, against, you know, ridiculous old money, is there more of a um, class conflict then? Because to be middle class and struggling, it's just not that it's not in a way almost more relatable, but at the same time, they don't really dig into that. And so it's not, um, you know, earlier in the movie, like Demi Moore, yeah, when she goes and flips the table and it is very, you know, and she, and even like the way she's dressed when she goes into the this fancy restaurant, which you could have done so much more with. Like if she had come yeah. in and like ripped jeans and done this where everybody is wearing a members only jacket. Like that's a statement right there. That is, you can't, you tried to buy me now you're trying to buy my entire life, but the movie doesn't do anything with that. The idea is Mm -hmm. there, but it doesn't in any way dig in and it's right there to do. And why not? Why skip all the things of this movie that like it had a lot of material that could have so easily been leaned into it just doesn't do it. Mm-hmm. Instead, it's all about architecture. <laughs> Strange. It's it's a very superficial movie, and it, yeah. it it's really frustrating. Yeah, and you know, again, like I'm like staring at Adrian Lin's profile, um, IMDb profile, and like I know that's true of a lot of his stuff that it is that like it's the things that he's interested in are kind of superficial but then there's some like like unfaithful which is really just you know you could argue that's a movie purely to have some really great sex scenes um but there's a there's so much there's a lot there and how much of it is the actors and like your own perception of these actors and seeing richard gears it's almost like a grown-up version like a you know, because it's also a love triangle done in this very different way. And it, I don't know, you just, you, I'm looking at this hour, 50 minute movie, wondering why it just gave me nothing but annoyance about some of its characters. Mm-hmm. When there was so much there that could have really been explored one way or another. 
Yeah, it's. It, I mean, so good luck with any remake that decides to do this. Yeah, I, and I bet you know what's going to happen. It's going to end up being like one of these remakes that gets all like all this news and then ends up just going straight to Lifetime or something. But you you could remake it. I think so, but you would have to actually do something and, and address it and not just have it be lady lady has sex with this dude for money, husband gets mad. Yeah. Relationship never seemed good. Yeah. It would help. Yeah. And rich, rich, handsome billionaire can't do better than a dull Vegas realtor. Like, really? Yeah. You couldn't find anybody better than her? Come on. Come on now. Yeah, it's really strange. Yeah. And it, so at the end, like, they don't get any money, right? That's, that is how we're left... I don't know. I can assume. No? And, like, and they owe Oliver Platt money. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, I don't know, because he had, he gave all that money for the hippo. I mean, and then... maybe Robert Redford, like, when he packed up um, Demi Moore's, like, clothing and stuff, I, I mean, all the stuff he bought her would have probably fetched a fair price, and maybe she was able to, like, return all of those designer clothes and get, like, some commission or something. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, immediately that's what I thought when he first offered to buy her that really expensive dress. Right, you're like, yeah, I was buy like, it and then just return I, it. Yeah. I was like, yeah, buy me this dress so I can return it. I need $50,000. Yeah. yeah, here's a start. Here's my five. Totally. Yeah. We're just smarter than characters in movies made in 1993. I think that's what I, it comes down to. I think that's, that's what it comes down to. Yeah. Um. So do you recommend people watch Indecent Proposal? No! Yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you. Like, I don't think... I don't think there's enough to get out of it. Like, it's not, because it's not even, like, wacky, fun, goofy. Like, it's just frustrating and boring and offensive to everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. All right, any it's more? One of those, it's one of those movies where if you if you know what it's about, you've seen it. There you go. Yeah, it does nothing. It will do nothing to surprise you, and it will do so much to disappoint you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, that's Indecent Proposal. It's on Amazon Prime. If you really want to still watch it, we're not going to stop you. We've just given you our strongly cautioned wording. Our yeah. strongly worded caution. Yeah. All right. Um, on, on happier notes, do you have something that you want to recommend people watch as we close things out with our streaming recommendation? Yeah. If, for, if somehow you've never seen Prince of Darkness, it's on Shudder. Yeah. I've only watched we- it once, and I didn't like watch it, watch it when I watched it. And I, as a result, I never got why people loved it. Um, we just rewatched it, and I r- realized why I love it so much. I think it is very, very good. Mm. Yeah, I should rewatch it. I, I owe that movie another chance. Yes. Um, all right, mine is on Amazon Prime, which means you know it's going to be quality. Uh, I think I talked about this on actually the Married with Clickers page, because I think they really need to watch it. This is a movie called Scorned, starring um, Adeline McCord from the 90210 reboot, uh, Viva Bianca from Spartacus, and most Mm -hmm. importantly, Billy Zane from My Heart. And (laughs) Billy Zane is dating Adeline McCord, who is a little little cray-cray, and Adeline McCord discovers Billy Zane has been cheating on her with her best friend, played by um, Spartacus's enemy 
Viva Bianca. So Adeline McCord does what any normal woman would do, which is um, ties up Billy Zane and lures her best friend to the house and ties her up and then tortures them. And like it, this movie is, it is, I mean, it feels like a lifetime movie, but except you have like Billy Zane in it. So it's a little elevated, except it is so insane and credit to Adeline McCord. She is having a blast. She goes for it. She is funny and crazy and intense in this movie. And it just goes places. Like, throughout the movie, at a certain point, they establish that there's an escape prisoner on the loose. And it feels like one of those things that you just throw in a movie when you don't have 90 minutes. But the payoff of this escape prisoner, who of course is going to you know, play into the finale of this movie is so great. And like, oh my God, that's why that you, that's why you had an escape convict in this movie for that. And the answer is yes. So I cannot recommend this terrible movie enough. Scorned on Amazon Prime. Oh boy, it sounds like something. I think you'd enjoy it. And I don't say that lightly. Do it. Please, for me. Please. All right. Okay. Uh, is there anything you're itching to rewatch? I feel like I need to let you pick the next movie because I picked this one. Um, I didn't, I hadn't thought about it. Okay. So I guess I should probably think about it. You think about it and, um, you know, pick something for you this time. Oh, how, thank you. So nice. Yeah. Because otherwise I might throw a bottle of red wine at you or your That's- refrigerator terrible well you know you keep leaving your dirty case converse on my eating surface and i feel like i'm justified in that mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah all right i'll think of something good all right don't throw it don't throw anything in the meantime people remember when you are feeling down you can come to our facebook page and and chat with folks about movies or you can just like you know especially if you're on a budget just drive around town and Look at architecture that means something to you and tell your partner about it for hours because they love that. They (laughs) They love it. it. I mean, they could be partying with Billy Connolly and a bunch of monkeys and hippos. Even if they don't look like they love it, they love it. They totally do, yeah. Or they could, you know, be berated um, and have, you know, on... Or they could be married to Woody Harrelson. That's that's what it comes down to. So choose wisely. Think hard. Take the million dollars. And, you know, consider your options and the long-term effects of what it would have meant to have been married to Robert Redford and had his children that, hey, could have looked like me for all you know. <laughs> or being married to Woody Harrelson and dealing with that clusterfuck of relationship. Oh, uh, we so hope we funny. Yeah. All right, folks. You all have a good night. Night. Bright light city gonna set my soul, gonna set my soul on fire. Got a whole lot of money that's ready to burn, so get those stakes up higher. There's a thousand pretty women waiting out there. They're all living the devil may care. And I'm just a devil with love to spare. So Viva Las Vegas. Viva Las Vegas. How I wish that there were more than 24 hours in the day Even if there were 40 more, I wouldn't sleep a minute away 
pull us blackjack and poker and the roulette wheel. A fortune won and lost on every deal. All you need is strong heart and a nerve steel. Viva Las Vegas. Viva Las Vegas. Viva Las Vegas with your neon flashing and your one arm bandits crashing. All those hopes down the drain. Las Vegas turning day into nighttime, turning night into daytime. If you see it once, you'll never be the same again. I'm gonna keep on the run, I'm gonna have me some fun. It cost me my very last dime. If I wind up broke, well, I'll always remember that I had a swing in time. I'm gonna give it everything I've got Lady luck, please let the dice stay hot Let me shoot a seven with every shot Viva 